Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions. Supply. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Fancy something different for tea? Get takeaway delivery now via Deliveroo and Uber Eats. Hello and welcome to Football Social Daily. We are back to being the only daily Premier League podcast with new shows seven days of the week. And there is football coming thick and fast over the next few weeks as well. We will keep you abreast of the latest news, the latest action and the latest views from the English top flight. I'm Jim Salverson. That's Nar McCorn. Hey. That's Stefan Armstrong. Now then. And today, as normal on a Friday, we're going to be doing the AQA podcast. We're going to be doing it slightly differently. The AQA podcast will fall into the second half of today's show. The first half, we're going to look at the small action of the Premier League games that are coming up later this Friday. After having a devastatingly long break of Thursday with no football. There is no breaks from now on. It is relentless. We've got Tottenham versus Manchester United to look at today. We're also going to be looking at Norwich City versus Southampton, which is where we're going to start. Uh, First question, I guess, is should this game even be going ahead? It was less than seven days ago that Norwich played Spurs in a friendly. One of the players from the Norwich City team then was tested positive for coronavirus. There doesn't seem to be any isolation required for any of the players for either team other than the person who tested positive. So are the Premier League taking a big risk by even considering putting this game on in the first place now? Yeah, probably. But I mean, I think what it is, is it feels like to me that this has kind of been so rigorously planned by the Premier League, you know, having certain breaks in play where they're going to disinfect the balls and they've got like 50 footballs around behind the advertising hoardings to make sure that, you know, not too many people are touching it at once. And, you know, everyone sat in the stands, whether they're medical staff or journalists have to wear masks, you know, it's all been so rigorously planned. So for like three days before the restart, a whole team to have to quarantine uh, in Spurs and obviously Norwich as well. So two whole teams having to quarantine would have been an absolute disaster. And to be honest, I don't think the project restart would have been able to go ahead if that was the case. If you've got two whole teams that have to quarantine for two weeks or seven days, that completely blows the schedule in terms of being able to complete it properly. Because if you think about it, the games are so stacked and close together that 
you know, having two weeks break between one team playing and another team playing, uh, if you're talking about the interest of fairness, it, it's almost unfair because you suppose you're saying that Norwich get an extra two weeks of of, of being fit, um, presuming that only one player's got COVID-19 and all of the rest of them have to quarantine. They're all still fit and, and healthy and they can all still technically train, I suppose. So, you know, you, you've got the argument there that one team might have a slight advantage over the other. So I think the Premier League, I don't want to accuse them of anything here, but I certainly feel that it seemed a little bit like or we should probably sweep this one under the carpet a little bit because if things go belly up now, the whole thing's going to fall away, which would be an absolute disaster. I mean, if you talk about the government guidelines, there's no way this game should be going ahead. But the mm. Premier League guidelines and the ones that they're adhering to in regards to coronavirus are slightly different. So the whole point that Spurs didn't self-isolate for that period of time was because they say that they weren't in close enough contact to the player at Norwich who had COVID-19. And, you know, the, the rules around close contact mean within two <laughs> metres of someone for 15 minutes. Now, coronavirus doesn't go... Well, that says more about lads. Spurs defending, doesn't it? That they're not getting close <laughs> enough to other players to... Possibly. More, a coronavirus getting contracted. Very, very possibly. Um, but, I mean, to me, it just feels a little bit strange that, you know, you've got this whole notion of making sure that everyone's safe and yet you've got a player who's come into contact with at least 20 other people in a period of 90 minutes or whatever it might be and the game has not been called off when we saw originally back in March games being called off before we reached this big peak that we've had since then so I just think it's a bit a little bit strange that it's worked out that way although the Premier League have done sort of protocol themselves like players need to go to the games in their own cars get changed in the back of their own cars so that was for practice matches obviously the same that sounds like Sunday stadiums. League I know it does sound like <laughs> Sunday League football and you know it did feel a bit like that Stefan watching the games as well on on Wednesday evening it just I was disappointed. I was disappointed. I spoke about this on on yesterday's podcast. I don't know why. It just didn't. I think the hype was too much. Who's scheduled Sheffield against against Villa as the first game back after a hundred days? Oh, let's go with Sheffield United Villa. That's when you play Tottenham Man United. Jobs are good. Yeah, I, I see what you mean, but I think it's all about as well. Like when the season was suspended in March, I guess to keep the season as it would have been, you need to play what would have been the next game, which I guess was Villa versus mm. Sheffield United. So I guess that's what they're trying to do. But the gap's been so long that it doesn't really matter. I still think that you could have put Man United Spurs in that slot, like you say. I think it's difficult to judge when it's not your team as well. I think, I mean, I watched both games and. Sheffield United versus Villa I was kind of very distracted from a little bit more interested in the Manchester City game but it's when my team's on telly this weekend that I think it's yeah. really going to be a fair judgment but I'm going to push coronavirus to the side because God knows we've talked enough about coronavirus over the last couple of months and talk yeah. about some actual football we're seeing this phase where teams are coming out of lockdown now and the Premier League is resuming there's been a lot of talk about who can take advantage of that, like things like the extra subs being an advantage to teams with maybe bigger squads. So in terms of Norwich City, I look at them and go, actually, have they got a better chance of staying up with this two-month period where they've been able to assess the games they've got left, maybe take that step back, maybe regroup? I would have maybe said Norwich City were down before the whole coronavirus break. Now, Stefan, do they have a slim chance of staying up? I think they've got a better chance of staying up. They've had they've had a few months to really focus on what they've got to try and achieve. Uh, 
I think without a break they wouldn't they wouldn't have managed it. But um, if if they re, if they approached it as a as a fresh season start uh, and uh, Timu Timu Puki um, kind of has the same start as he did in August, um, they've got a chance, haven't they? Surely. I think there's hope for them. If they, if they lose tonight, then I think we'll change our tune. Yeah, when they did have the hardest possible start to the season back in August, where they had the first game of the season away at Anfield. And they ended up losing the game 4-1, I think. So, you know, it's like it's almost like the most difficult start you could hope for for a team coming up from the championship that are tipped to probably go down again. And you come up against the Liverpool side who had just won the Champions League and finished second by a point the season before. It was always going to be a tough start. There was a period that Stefan mentions where Timu Puki, the goals kind of dried up. I think between maybe November and January, sort of the goals weren't quite there for Timu Puki. You have to forgive me if I'm wrong, Norwich fans. But you, you do feel that, you know, he's going to have to score pretty much all of their goals if they're going to have any chance and the reason I don't think that they've got they have got a slight chance a better chance like Stefan says but a reason I think that they probably won't do it they still got the same players you know and those players weren't good enough to, to to keep them above water in terms of the relegation zone up to this point so I can't see how you know the same players are going to turn things around drastically they did have a truckload of injuries Jim like you say and they do have some players that are kind of on the road to recovery, but I still just think it'll be a step too far. Still very thin defensively. They've still got a lot of injuries in that area. The players you talk about, so I'm thinking Timu Puki, maybe Campwell, Aarons. I guess for them, the next nine games, it's about their next contract now. Not at Norwich necessarily, but it's them putting themselves in the shop window. So potentially we could see performances out of those players as they look to stay in the Premier League, even if Norwich City don't. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, Pukki's 30, I think, now. So if he wants a big move, it's going to be, you know, off the back of this season because he's kind of been a not a not a nobody, but he's played for some big clubs. I think he he played for some of the bigger clubs in uh, in in. Did he play for Sevilla at one point? I'm not sure. He's played for some reasonably sized football clubs, but it's never really happened for him. So, you know, Norwich plucked him out of, I think, Norway or Denmark on a free transfer. He was and up at Celtic at one point, was he not? He was, was I think it? you're right. Yeah, but I don't... I don't... He's reached the heights. So, you know, he's the twilight <laughs> of his career now. Scottish I think, football. I think to answer your question, Jim, if uh, you're, you're a West Ham fan and you're sitting six points above Norwich, are you worried? Yeah, yeah, massively worried. I'm really concerned. I think the first few games back are going to be massively telling for West Ham. And certainly when, I mean, we're not going to talk about West Ham today, so I'll be brief. But when Moyes came in, there was questions about whether he was the right man to take the job and those questions are still there. So I think what we do in those first few games back is going to be massively telling. But I think anyone from kind of 14th down probably is going to be concerned about potential relegation and the less teams that can get out of it. So the worse Norwich does, the better, as mm. far as I'm concerned. You, you uh, think if Southampton win today, they'll they'll be safe because they have got a bit of a yeah. cushion. Well, I think Southampton probably believe that as well because they've just offered Ralph Hasenhutl a new contract or might have signed a new contract yeah, in fact, has, by now. Yeah. Mm. So he signed that deal. So, I mean, they obviously believe they've got the right man for the job and it would be rare to offer a new contract to a manager who you thought was going to get you relegated. So potentially they're looking to stay in the Premier League over the next few seasons. And if they do, a lot of that credit's got to go to Danny Ings this season. Here's a big question for you. Jamie Vardy currently has 19 goals. He's in line for the golden boot. Danny Ings is only four goals behind him. Is it feasible that Danny Ings, whilst playing for Southampton, a relegation-threatened club, could get the golden boot? No. 
Okay. <laughs> no, definitely Moving not. swiftly on. No, but if, if you look at his stats as well, I think he's played 30 games for Southampton and scored 14 goals, 15 goals. So he's, he's one in two. He's not going to win the golden boot. No chance. I wouldn't be too worried about the fact Hurtle signed a new contract either, Jim. I know they feel that they've got the right man for the job. And I think from their perspective, the supporters certainly feel that he's a better fit for them than any of the sort of previous two or three managers that they've had. And you've got to think since Maurizio Pochettino left St. Mary's, it's been a bit of a, you know, coming off the rails for Southampton, really. You know, they were finishing in the sort of the top 10 regularly, a couple of seasons in a row. And then obviously they kind of, I think they brought in Pellegrino. You know, since then they've had Claude Puel, who was a disaster. Mark Hughes was an absolute car crash. I mean, you talk about offering a new contract to someone who might get you relegated. They offered a three-year deal to Mark Hughes and he signed it. And then he got sacked like less than a year later. Um, and now you look at uh, Ralph Hasenhurtle, who has guided the side to a 9-0 defeat this season. So it's not all been sunshine and happiness for Southampton this season. I don't think Danny Ings is 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 good enough to, to win the golden boot. I simply don't. I, I just think the other strikers in the league are a step above Danny Ings. This is the first real season where we've seen him be this prolific. Um, and it took until sort of September, October for him to get into his stride. And then again, since Christmas, it's not quite been the same for him. But I do feel that, you know, if he can continue the form on, he might even be able to to get a move to another club who, you know, are looking to move up. I mean, if you think about Sheffield United and the strikers they've got, Sharp, McGoldrick, Lise Mousset, you know, Sheffield United done really well this season, but none of those are real sharpshooters. And I think, you know, someone like Danny Ings, who's proven that he can score in the Premier League and, you know, he's been really good for Southampton this year, might even fit better into a side like that where he might be able to sort of be the poacher in the side and, and fire another club to a, to a potential top 10 finish. Would that be a massive step up for him, though? Sheffield United, yeah, they've done well this season, but there's a lot of teams that do well coming into the Premier League, have one great season and then kind of fade away. Well, I know you hate Southampton. Well, <laughs> no, let, but... let, let, me, let me tell you this. Their captain, Pierre-Emil Hoybier, was stripped of the captaincy by Ralph Hasenhurtle yesterday because he said, I don't want to be playing for a team that's fighting relegation every season. So Ralph Hasenhurtle said, well, <laughs> you're not the captain anymore. And he stripped him of the captain's armband. He's also That's basically put out a plea stars, there and saying, well, it's amongst interest from lots of clubs. He's put himself in the shot window and said that he wants to play Champions League football. And he doesn't want to be fighting relegation every season. Now, as I mentioned before, Southampton fans, when they came up to the Premier League, well, I can't remember how many years ago now, enjoyed the first two or three seasons, a real good glut of form finishing in the top 10. Now they're back to the Southampton from the 90s, hovering above the relegation zone, looking over their shoulder every season, wondering when they're going to go down because that's what Southampton always were. And it felt like that they had broken that mold and now they're kind of slipping back into it again. I think they're an overrated football club. Is this, in, in is this Portsmouth world. TV we're on here? What is it? <laughs> no, I don't think we'd be mentioning them lot down the road if it was Portsmouth TV, Stefan. <laughs> Let's get a quick prediction before we move on to Spurs versus Manchester United. Uh, what we see seeing tonight, Norwich versus Southampton. Niall, you can go first. Predictably... Um, predicts Norwich to win um I gotta go Norwich to win 2-1 um I think it'll be 1-1 or 2-1 either way I don't think it'll be too much of a landslide I'm going for a score draw there 2-0 all right well let's move on to Spurs versus Manchester United which I think you've got to say is the best game that has been on 
this kind of little comeback for the Premier League. Certainly the most exciting. Two teams that are used to dealing with viruses as well. One had Manchester United's Jose Mourinho. The other has got Jose Mourinho, which is the ultimate footballing virus. Um, I mean, there Paul was Pogba, a time don't when... forget him. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He, he was des- who was it that described him as a virus? Jose. <laughs> well, yeah. Um, so this is the Mourinho derby. And there was a time when Jose Mourinho going back to an old club, you would chalk it off as a win for his new team because he'd be that determined. He'd have that much presence. You'd know he was going to get a result. Now, the fear's gone. The magic's gone. It doesn't really seem to be the same Jose. And this seems like quite an open game, doesn't it? I, th- I think it's unfortunate we're not going to have any fans there to kind of will them on a little bit. Top- this break came at, at the perfect time for Tottenham. So they, they'll be absolutely chuffed that they're, they're playing Man United now with with a full lineup. Uh, Mourinho's already said that Kane's going to start the game, although he's not kicked a ball in six months uh, competitively. Um, I, if I was Tottenham, I'd be chuffed with with the whole circumstance of this game, uh, and I think it'll be feisty. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Mourinho confirmed yesterday that Son, Kane, and Sissoko will all start. Bergvine's back from injury. Uh, Lacelso isn't going to play for Tottenham because he's uh, got a bit of a knock, or at least he's going to face a late, late fitness test. And Delhi Ali's actually banned as well for mocking coronavirus in a Snapchat video. So the FA banned him for a for a game and fined him fifty grand for taking the oh, Mickey out of coronavirus, right. which obviously. Isn't a laughing matter, really. Um, uh, and, a, you know, Deli Ali says he was betrayed by a friend. It was on a private Snapchat account and someone sold him out to a newspaper for 50 grand or whatever it might be. So, um, so yeah, Deli Ali is not going to play. But as Stefan says, break came at a perfect time for Spurs. They were six without win, without a win in all competitions. Players injured all over the place. Son was out for the season with a broken arm. Kane had hamstring surgery. Bergvine was injured. Um, and it just felt like it was just Lucas Moura on his own up front. Mm. And creating chances. Tangai and Dombele was playing poorly. The chances weren't really kind of being created for Tottenham and it felt like a real drag. So now to have everyone back fully fit, certainly a a benefit for Mourinho, who, if anyone, does have an advantage because he's been breaking lockdown, training his players in a park every other day during the (laughs) quarantine period when he shouldn't have been. He's got a good tan for it, though. (laughs) I think um, Man United, though, they... They had a bit of form, I think, before uh, lockdown, and they, they had a bit of a yeah. Fernandez effect going on. So they would have loved this game three months ago. So that's why I think it's wide open. It's, that's why I think Unbeaten. it's a intriguing game. Unbeaten and 11 going into lockdown for Manchester United, and you, you kind of got to disregard form a little bit, but they were seemingly turning it around. I mean, it ha- it's great for Spurs, and they have got these key players back. But for United as well, there are key players back. They've got Marcus Rashford back fit yeah. as well they've got Paul Pogba back fit I mean that just shows how long the lockdown's been that Paul Pogba is actually <laughs> able to play football again we are going to see likely for the very first time Fernandez and Paul Pogba in midfield together on paper that looks devastating Stephanie it does but I think that's what worries Man United fans as well because on paper it looks too good to be true Man United fans are thinking bloody hell if you look at our front uh, starting 11 now it actually looks like top of the table material this but yeah. You've never seen Pogba play with Fernandez, and everybody knows what shadow comes with Paul Pogba and what he can do to Man United team, which is score score a winner and change the game. But he can also make the Man United team quite slow and immobile, I'd say. 
Paul Pogba. But surely takes you can't time have on. those two players playing in the same midfield and it not works, can you? Yeah, well, surely you must be able to. And this is what Solskjaer's test will be as a manager. I mean, everyone said that you kind of, you know, Solskjaer's had these excuses where Paul Pogba's been unfair and he's not had the players he's wanted and he's not had enough transfer windows. Well, I thought Joe McGrath said this quite nicely on yesterday's podcast. He's had three months. Everyone's back to full fitness. He's had ample time to think about this game against Tottenham. He would have predicted that Tottenham would have been back to full fitness. So what would his excuse be if Manchester United lose? Because we've seen them before just kind of be a bit toothless, as Stefan says, be a little bit slow, um, allow other teams to kind of hit them on the counter. We saw that against Newcastle earlier this season where, you know, Manchester United had all of the ball and then Newcastle just go and hit them with a with a, not a sucker punch, but a counter-attack, and they go and win the game 1-0. So just like breaking teams down was a difficulty for Manchester United. So yeah, I mean, Solskjaer, that would be a test of his credentials. I mean, people are saying, how can Fernandez and Pogba play in the same midfield? Well, there's more than one formation, and they're two quality players. So if you want really the best out of your Manchester United squad, you're going to have to find a way to play them. And whether that's Fernandez further forward and Paul Pogba lying in a more deeper role, um, pulling a few more strings and then Fernandez playing the playmaker or the number 10 or whatever it might be, that possibly could work. Playing them side by side and then having someone like Matic or McTominay in behind in a midfield three, that might work. Um, but the thing is, it's up to Solskjaer to test that out on the training ground. So it'd be fascinating to see whether Pogba will start or not. I think Fernandez will. I'm not sure whether Pogba will. I reckon we might see him come on from the bench as a possible replacement for Fernandez if Fernandez is feeling fatigued or even just as a little bit of an experiment in the second half if things are going United's way. But I think it would be fascinating to see whether both players start alongside each other or at least in the same team. Solskjaer still has to prove himself as well as Manchester United manager. He has turned it around. He has had this big run of 11 games unbeaten but there are still a lot of people that are doubting him and whether he has the capabilities to be Manchester United manager he has between now and the end of the season oh. I'm pretty sure he'll be there the season afterwards as well but then beyond that who knows he needs to prove himself he needs it's to all prove about he is Champions League. it's all yeah. about that Champions League because that affects next season so much in terms of who they could possibly bring in and Man United are probably one of the only teams who can actually spend big this summer so mm. if it goes well and they get Champions League and then they spend big in the summer that, that's that's the Man United that you want to see next season so it's massive yeah and they're Both obviously final... in fifth at the moment aren't they so if they can cling on to fifth they could even get Champions League through that depending on what happens with City's yeah. court case with yeah. UEFA so you know it's almost like Jose's gunning for that spot with Spurs as well fifth is kind of the new fourth at least for this season That'd be dramatic, wouldn't it? If City get kicked out of the Champions League or that holds and Manchester United take their place. That'd be drama <laughs> in the City of Manchester. Uh, right, we're going to leave it there. Oh, let's get a, a, a prediction for the Spurs versus Manchester United game then. Uh, who are we seeing winning this one? Niall? I don't know why, but I just feel that uh, I can see a Spurs player going down injured like Kane getting injured straight away. But I still think that, that Spurs, I don't know why. I fancy Spurs at home. I'm going to go 2-1 Tottenham. Uh, I fancy Man United. I think they're going to be electric. At least that's what I'm hoping. So, <laughs> free, free one Man United. Ooh, it's got nil-nil written all over for me. There's too much excitement, <laughs> too much pressure on the game. It's going to Agreed. finish nil-nil. Uh, right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back in a minute and we're going to do AQAs. We're going to answer some of your questions that have come in via our social media channels. We'll do that very shortly. But this weekend and 
tonight, of course. You can follow the latest action on your team with the Premier League being back. You can get all the latest match reports and after the final whistle, you can get the latest news and whatnot via the Sports Social Alexa skill. To find that, just say Alexa Open Sports Social for your news and match reports there. Or you can head over to our brand new website, that is sports-social.co.uk. You can find all the details there of how to access us via Alexa or via Google Home or via your smart speaker. You can also listen to all those reports and match updates and match previews there as well. That's sports-social.co.uk. We'll be back with Football Social Daily in one moment. Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Kebabs done right and delivered right to you via Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to Football Social Daily. This is Any Questions Answered, our AQA section of the podcast. We normally do this on a Friday. We're going to keep it going for the time being in the second half of Friday's podcast, answering your questions so you can get them into us via our social media channels at the Sports Social on Twitter, Sports Social Official on Instagram, or you can search us on Facebook. Uh, just search Sports Social. You can find all those on our website, sports social. .co.uk. That's me saying sports social a lot there. So let's kick straight on with the very first question. This has come in from Seb via Facebook. And his question is, given what happened on Wednesday night and the success, inverted commas, of VAR, is it time to ditch all technology and just go back to refs and linesmen making all calls in Premier League football? I can see you shaking your head, Stefan. So uh, you're obviously not in agreement with Seb. I'm half in agreement with him. I think keep goal line technology and ditch VAR. Yes, I agree, Stefan. Goal, goal, goal line technology is good. Like it, I think it's messed up once. The other night in like what? Yeah. How many? How many, how many years? They say more than nine thousand matches, Stefan, that it's never oh. failed. And then the one time that we get the Premier League <laughs> back, it messes up on the first day. Uh, goal line technology is brilliant. Um, although during World Cups, I do support Germany, so uh, Frank Lampard. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I think goal line technology is great. It's quick. Um, it's efficient. It, it works. VAR, I, I detest. So let's get rid of VAR. Yeah, I'm with you, Stefan, to be fair. I think we're too far along with the goal line technology and it's been too consistent and too reliable to get rid of it now. And as I said a moment ago, more than 9,000 matches in multiple competitions from the Champions League, the French League, to every league you can think of has got goal line technology and Hawkeye have implemented it really well. So for it to fail for the first game back, I think there's something slightly suspicious going on there i mean it just feels like maybe a human error and i know it's a technological system but considering there's not been a game for three months and it's the first game back in the premier league it does feel like that maybe mm. something uh, along those lines might have happened whether something hasn't been installed properly or someone's forgotten to press a certain button or whatever it might be so keep goal line technology i totally agree with stefan there but i also agree with him about var i think if you're going to get rid of technology you've got to give it a fair bash and i think seven years is too long for instance goal line technology we're too far in to get rid with VAR now, I think we've had, well, we would have had one season, had the season ended by now. Looks like we will have one whole season. Doesn't look like we're going to change VAR for next season. I think give it a couple of seasons and after two seasons, you can get rid. Uh, and, you know, it doesn't cause as much of a fuss as it does if you get rid of it after 10 years or 15 years. You know what I mean? So um, I think that's the case, really. I think keep technology as it is for the time being and let the clubs vote if they don't like it in a couple of seasons. 
Te technology needs to be black and white, and VAR just causes controversy, so it doesn't help the situation. Just take it out. I think you're right, and you don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. We know that Hawkeye works, although I thought it was a little chip in the ball. I didn't realise it was cameras. I thought it was like a little microchip or something yeah. that made it vibrate on his watch when it crossed the line. So I'm surprised by that it is cameras. But I think what it highlighted for me was one of the big problems with VAR and maybe technology in general, although we do know that goal line technology works, in that we are stopping the referees making those decisions. So when we saw the Sheffield United Villa game, we knew watching on telly the ball across the line. The players knew the ball across the line. Michael Oliver in the middle of that pitch knew the ball across the line. But because he didn't get that notification on his watch, he didn't feel comfortable making that call. And that's kind of what we're doing with VAR. We're deferring that decision elsewhere. So when something happens on the pitch, VAR is supposed to correct clear and obvious errors. That's the mandate it has, right? So when Michael Oliver sees something on the pitch, or any referee for that matter, they don't need to make that decision anymore. They yeah. can let that go to VAR. And it, mm -hmm. it's, it's half being maybe scared, but half also giving having the option not to take responsibility to be able to pass that responsibility on elsewhere and i think that's really dangerous i get that and i understand what you're saying and, and you know yesterday alex boardman on the podcast said two years ago michael oliver would have refereed that situation differently because there wouldn't have been yeah. var and perhaps maybe he wouldn't have been waiting for var to step in had the technology failed but if we're kind of talking about someone resting on their laurels or taking it for granted that the technology was going to work I don't blame Michael Oliver in this situation. It's worked in over 9,000 situations. So for mm. it to fail once, you aren't expecting it to fail. I mean, you should always have that very slight percentage of expectation that something might go wrong. But the referee in the middle, Michael Oliver's used this system for hundreds of matches, hundreds since 2013, Champions League games, international games. It's never failed. So I don't blame him for kind of perhaps taking it for granted a little he's, bit and he's thinking that it was going to work. From, from not making that decision. Should the should the linesman not have been in, in the correct position? Because if you're Michael Oliver in the middle of the pitch, you might have an, an idea. But in terms of angles, surely the assistant referee would yeah. have been in a better position. Right, let's move on to the next question. Uh, what have you got the next one, though? Yeah, the next question comes from Tom on Instagram, and it is, what is the best move for Coutinho? So we've spoken about Coutinho a couple of times on the podcast before. Of course, he's been at Bayern Munich on a two-year loan from Barcelona, Stefan. It didn't really work for him at Barca since he arrived there from Liverpool for what was above 100 million quid. It looks like Barca and Bayern both aren't really too asked about keeping him on. So a move to the Premier League might be in the offing. Where do you, where do you see him ending up, or do you think it might just be a a six-month spell in the wilderness for him? No, I think he can do a job at a lot of clubs. Uh, I think I don't think he needs to go to a club that are particularly gunning to win anything. I think he'd be happy playing Champions League football. Um, why not see him at a team like Tottenham? I think he'd work well there. With wages <laughs> and stuff like that, they're, they're quite tight, haven't they, aren't they, really? And they've taken out like a £150 million or £175 million loan. Yeah because of the effects of coronavirus. So with Coutinho on reasonably big wages, do you reckon Spurs could afford him? Well, if, if you look at any any of the other clubs in the Premier League where he could realistically go to, he's not going to go back to Liverpool. Man United, I think, have already got their midfield future sorted with Fernandes and maybe Pogba, uh, unless if something happens where Pogba goes and Coutinho comes in. But for some reason, I just don't fancy him as a fit at Man United. Then you can only really say, realistically, Chelsea... Um, Chelsea have just spent big on Timo Werner, so I don't know if they'd be able to dish out another 
How much would it be for Coutinho? Maybe 70 million or so? He's, he's maybe going to struggle to get to a team in the Premier League who can afford him. But if it is, then it's got to be one of a Tottenham Chelsea type team. Uh, unless if he goes elsewhere, goes back to Spain or I don't know. I think you're right. I think um, Chelsea have kind of done their business or are doing their business with the players that have either signed or been heavily linked in the last few weeks. I think Coutinho has a bit of an unfortunate situation. And there's a few players like this where the bracket he falls into in terms of transfer fee and wages probably don't quite match up to what you're going to get in terms of guaranteed return because of the last couple of seasons he's had where he hasn't maybe lived up to the billing. And was it 150 or 140 that he signed for Barcelona for? It was above, I think, 120-something in the end, but it was a lot. It was a load of money and he's on a load of wages. So that does limit his options of where he's going to go. And clubs are going to be reluctant to fork that out in order to to bring him in because he doesn't guarantee you that level of performance. I've heard Arsenal linked, but if he goes to Arsenal, they only want a loan deal and they want Barcelona to pay the wages, which doesn't seem like a particularly <laughs> realistic ask. And they probably wanted to take David Luiz as well. I mean, <laughs> they're probably trying to get rid of everything in one go. So I can't see that happening. I think... Honest answer would be, I don't think he'll come to the Premier League, although he said he quite fancies it. I think he'll either go to Inter Milan or PSG uh, because Barcelona will want to get, if they're not going to get a transfer fee, they'll either want Martinez or Neymar coming the other way. So I think he'll end up in one of those clubs. It just feels like he's got PSG written all over it, hasn't it? Do you know what I mean? A, A club like PSG, who've got money to burn, financial fair play doesn't seem to apply to PSG. Um, I won't go into why I think that is, but, um, you know, they seem to pay a lot of money to a lot of players. uh, And, you know, Coutinho uh, seems to fit into that bracket of star player who needs a bit of a leg up, like what happened to Di Maria when he left Manchester United, went to PSG after having a bit of a poor time of it at United by his own admission. And then, you know, he's, he's seemed to have done all right for for Paris. So I think Coutinho is almost, you know, destined to end up at PSG Mm. at least. He can go there and be the star as well. Particularly if Neymar does go the other way. If Neymar goes back to Barcelona, he could he could just be the main man at PSG, and I think that would suit him. It's a good point because Barcelona's wage structure, I saw some, I don't know how accurate it was, but I saw some numbers of their wage structure the other day. I mean, they're paying Messi something ridiculous, like £1.2 million a month or something, and then Griezmann's on €925,000 a month or something. So it's just like absurd amounts of money. Um, and, you know, this is kind of all the way down their, their playing yeah, roster. Yeah. I think that Coutinho could be a make-weight if Neymar was to go back to Barca, and I think Neymar has wanted to go back to Spain for a while. Right, final question, Stefan. What are we talking? Okay. It's from... oh, no, I've, I've got it. I've got it. Who got the it? most likable Premier League team of all time from Liam on Instagram? Oh, the most likable Premier League team of all time. It's a very subjective Look, question. That, it, it it's, ex- it's extremely subjective because I think actually in recent times, and I'm talking really recent times, and I think you've said this on the podcast in, in the course of this season, Stefan, the current Chelsea team, it's probably been the most likable Chelsea yeah. team that there's been in, in a decade, really, maybe even more, um, because it was almost like Roman Abramovich came in in the early part of the century and spent a load of money and they bought Crespo and they bought Mourinho and Drogba and they bought all these players and, you know, Joe Coles and all of this stuff. They kind of became immediately successful. Um, but since they've had a transfer ban, Frank Lampard's come in 
no one's got a bad word to say about Frank Lampard and obviously extremely well-respected figure at Chelsea because of what he did at the club. And, you know, he's brought through these young players. So I think, you know, those young talents at Chelsea uh, seem to be kind of swaying the scales in favour of them being the most likeable team, at least Chelsea team, for absolutely years. So maybe they're, um, you know, possibly a consideration. But for me... I do get a lot of people when they find out that I'm a Portsmouth fan saying, oh, I remember that Portsmouth team of 2008, <laughs> you can't, you can't 2009. You nominate your own team. Why not? Because <laughs> <laughs> West Ham have never had a likeable team, They've never had a likeable team. That was a likeable player. West Ham is everyone's second, everyone's second club. They should, I, I stayed away from nominating West, my own team. And they're like the West Indies in cricket, everyone's second <laughs> favourite team. I think I know the answer to the question. I, I know the, I know what the correct answer is. I know this is subjective, but I know the correct answer. Go on, Leicester's Premier League winning team. Nobody had anything bad to say about that team. I mean, that was just graft. It was hard work. At the time, I was living in Nottingham, and everybody in Nottingham was a Leicester fan because they just they just captured the imagination, and it and it kind of broke the realm of football as well. It was it was just a good news story. So Leicester Premier League. My kind of rules for this would be it can't be a team that's dominated for years and it can't be a team that's had a huge financial cash injection because they're the things that make you hate clubs. But I kind of go against that a little bit because I think one of my favourite Premier League teams of all time was Arsenal's Invincibles. Which hang, 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 hang on, hang on, hang on. You've just set out those criteria. And then know, you've gone for a team that didn't lose a game the entire season. <laughs> that, that's been a rubbish after that. They've, they've been rubbish since. So it's all right. You're not allowed know, to dominate, but rules. can't lose a game the entire season and that's okay. All right, all cool. Right, <laughs> let, me, let me quantify this a little bit. The reason I liked them, I think, was because you look at the team and you look at the players and they had Burkamp, Omri, Roberto Perez, Vieira, Lundberg. They had supremely talented players and they didn't always play brilliantly, but they worked as a team for the entire thing. And I like people that hard work. I like teams that hard work. And they kind of had that thing that Atletico Madrid do now, yeah. where they were so solid. And you'd have players like Lundberg and Perez. They'd, they'd, they'd work back all the time. So it wasn't just about playing scintillating football going forward. And they did play scintillating football going forward, because how could you not with Bergkamp and Henri up front? But they also had that kind of team ethic so they had the luxury but they also had the graft and i think that made them a little bit special and they did something really special in being the invincibles as well i like, I like that arsenal are the original atletico madrid that's quite a that's a nice <laughs> sentiment that like yeah, the... do you know what though jim i think i think that team i loved more in hindsight at the time i hated yeah. that arsenal team yeah but I, I appreciate it now because it that just doesn't happen does it so west ham weren't in the premier league so we didn't come up against the invincibles which i think if we had it would have clouded my opinion a little bit but because we, we're in a different league i kind of like i didn't mind it as much we did and robert perez died for a penalty to win one nil at fratton park won't ever forget it <laughs> pioneers of diving pioneers of diving lundberg and perez never forget that either right and on that note we'll wrap up the football social daily there thank you very much for listening these podcasts are now seven days a week we'll be looking forward and looking back to all the premier league games so if you can't keep up with them on the telly and i can't i think my wife's limited me to one game a day so i've allowed one little treat of football and that's it so i have to use the podcast to keep up to date so you can too click subscribe now and you'll never miss an episode and for next friday's show get your questions in via our social media at the sports social on twitter sports social official on instagram and find us on facebook just search sports social there steph Niall, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Cheers. Cheers, Jim. And I'll see you next time on Football Social Daily.
Football Social Daily with German Donner Kebab. Slow cooked, succulent meats delivered fast to your door. Search for us via Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.